Well, hello there, and welcome back to another Friday night for another edition of Not Your Average Globetrotter. I am Rafael Di Furia, and this week, you may notice that I'm in a little bit of a different location and with a guest, Mike Coradi. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, man. How Thank you doing? Thank you very much. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thanks for, for being a part of this. We just finished recording a couple of episodes of the Italian Citizenship Podcast. and Which was fun, which was great. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. Oh, of course. Thank you for making yourself available for that. It was, I mean, my mind is literally like <laughs> so much information. You just don't have the knowledge. <laughs> like, I, if you haven't seen those episodes yet, I highly recommend them. Even if you are not interested in Italian citizenship at all, the historical information, the context, everything in there, absolutely fantastic. And that's actually why we're in this room today. But I wanted to bring you over to my personal project, Not Your Average Globetrotter, because you have an interesting connection with Italy. You've lived here for the majority of your life, but you also actually are a dual citizen, but Italian and British. Yes, exactly. And yeah. so I wanted to talk to you because of your experience as that dual citizen most of your life here and how that how things kind of culturally have fit for you so i guess a place for us to start maybe is just who are you <laughs> like what do people need to know about you that makes you you like maybe to to talk a little bit about just in brief like your childhood and then also a little bit about your podcast well, well that's a very dangerous question because now i'm gonna have to sit here for a bit and think about who i actually am <laughs> this man uh, this so you know, my identity <laughs> crisis he makes you sort of wandering off with my mind no but um uh, actually, I, who you are, I, I always remember, because I'm, I'm actually an English teacher, which is not who I am. So that's the first thing. My profession right. is not who I am. But I always remember that, that um, I'd seen in a book, there was a very lovely um, section in which there was a guy identifying himself through pictures. So, you know, the first picture he was with his child, and in the second picture he was at work. And, and so... If you're going to say who I am, I would say I'm a dad. I'm the father of Eddie and Lucy. I am the husband of Agnese. I am an English teacher. I am the son of an Italian with an odd name, Ariello Rolando Corradi, wow, who hails from the Emilia area of the Emilia-Romagna region, son also of Janet Smith, of the more common Smith clan <laughs> of Great Britain. Uh, I was born here in Italy in the Piedmont region, actually, so Piedmont if you will, by birth. Uh, when I was very young, when I was six years old, the whole family moved to the UK. We lived um, near Watford, near sort of north, uh, northwest of, of London. Then we moved to the United States, and I had a lovely, lovely time in beautiful Virginia, in Pulaski County, Virginia. And, uh, and then picked up that accent. Yeah, yeah I did for a while. My mum was none too pleased about oh, that. Oh, I can I, only imagine. I love, I love the Southern accent. And I, there are certain television programs I actually watch only just to hear that, that accent. And so it's <laughs> very <funny>. nostalgic. <laughs> And uh, and so then when I was 14 years old, we came back to Italy, and here I am still in Italy, in the town, in the city of Reggio Emilia, uh, as an English teacher and a part-time podcaster as well. So, Well, I think that gives us a great insight to who this man is that we're talking to, and to give a little insight, because being a dual citizen, being raised in Italy and, and other countries as well, uh, having lived in the UK, the US, and Italy, gives you a different kind of uh, insight and, and outlook, I should say, on the world. And absolutely, yeah. we were talking about this earlier, but do you feel a pull or a tie more towards one country or the other? Or do you really feel that you are more of a third culture kid? Yeah, I would say I definitely feel more of a third culture kid. Up until Brexit, I would have said European if I wanted to identify myself, because obviously, not obviously, but say I, I feel more affinity with British culture, French culture, French culture, uh, German culture, Italian culture, then maybe with American culture. Not that I don't like, because I, I adored living in America. I still have great friends. But in the sense of, you know, who would I identify more with? I would identify more with, with European mm -hmm. culture. But, you know, after Brexit, you know, Farage and company kind of said, well, no, you're not really European. So I said, OK. Um, and I think, you know, there are pros and cons. Um, I would say the pros outweigh the cons, definitely. The cons are sort of a lack of belonging. I mean, you know, there will always be a conversation that somebody in some country is having about some cultural aspect you're not a part of. Mm -hmm. a, a silly example could be cartoons. You know, the other 
other evening, my wife and our friends, we were having a conversation. Oh, do you remember that cartoon? And I was like, no. Right. <laughs> and my wife's like, oh, yeah, you weren't here. Yeah, uh, I've had that exact so same experience. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so that's kind of the con, you know, lack of belonging. At the same time, like you were saying, Rafael, the pros, you know, it's impossible to have a closed mentality. You know, when you've been brought up in such different cultures, you, you know and accept that things are thought of and done differently in other countries in different ways. And so then you'll be more accepting and open to a third or fourth culture, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, you know, the, the, the pros definitely outweighs the cons in that sense. Although, you know, sometimes you will think, oh, I wish, you know, I, I felt like part of that group or that group because... As human beings, we have this need to be uh, part of a tribe. Yeah, exactly, part of a tribe. But you know, like you said, the third culture tribe is is you know it's growing. I mean, it's. I also have this feeling because it's like I'm American, kind of by default. It's like I was born there. My mother is American. Like it, it's definitely a part of who I am. But is it me? Exactly, exactly. And, and there you, it comes to the definition of what culture means. You know, what is culture? Is it birth? Is it geography? Is it language? Is it education? You know, what aspect of culture? You know, what makes an Italian person Italian? What makes a British person British? You know, is it the accent? Is there a knowledge of Monty Python? Do you have to know, <laughs> you know, do you have to know the Holy Grail by heart? In right. which case, yes, you can be a British citizen. Otherwise, you know, uh, do you have to drink a certain amount of beer per year? To <laughs> is Guinness required? Is it proper? Is yeah, it improper? Yeah. Guinness British, I don't know if it's... No, it's not. Uh, I mean, clearly it's not, it's not <laughs> British. But, like, I mean, still, like, there are those little things that you grow up with, as you were mentioning, even cartoons. I've had this, even when dating, this has become, like, kind of just one of those little things that I've noticed, not that it's specifically cartoons, but the things that you grow up with, part of those things that you look back on that were part of your childhood, it can be difficult to relate to, to not to someone, but to relate to that aspect of someone and to have that shared experience because of course going like you were saying like when we have those shared experiences that's one way of connecting with another person but i'm curious though because your wife is italian exactly so do you ever feel like beyond just the cartoons that there are little cultural things that maybe were an influence from your mother that going through day-to-day life that you have tendencies to move in one direction she might have to move in another Yes, yes. Uh, at the same time, you know, we've been married now for almost 20 years, so there's been a lot of overlap as well. Just to give uh-huh. you one example, the first time I took my wife to an Indian restaurant in, uh, in the UK, she, she's always been very polite. We were with my, my aunt and uncle. She had to excuse herself to go to the bathroom and vomit because oh, no. <laughs> she was just not used to all these spices and all this really? different kind of food you know she was used to very traditional very standard simple uh-huh. ingredient italian food but now she adores it you know if we have to choose where to go she's the first to stand up and say you know let's go to an ethnic restaurant somewhere so there's been this cross-cultural aspect i've become i mean um house care is another issue you know in italy your house has to be pristine it has to look nice it has to be clean etc etc i've done a lot of work on improving <laughs> that aspect you know not saying that you know you're a man you yeah. gotta have your you gotta have your mess <laughs> yeah but, but not so much you know that that you know again i don't want to generalize but there's a lot more care about sort of tidiness and cleanliness in italy than maybe in other cultures uh, so it's kind of a cross-pollination i think although there are some aspects i think another thing is health because like in italy air conditioning right. is death Right. I mean, if you sit in front of an air conditioner in Italy, you're going to die. Right. Right. And and you're like, well, you know, it's just cold air, you know, but okay, you know, and then you go along with it or, you know, sit near a draft. Or even in the winter, like you have to be careful about using the heat for the same logic. Exactly. And one thing you know, you should never do in Italy is you can't sweat. Sweat is prohibited. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that because I'll start, because, you know, I'll offer in this period, we've had tradesmen come into the house, you know, plumbers, etc. because we've moved. And would you like a glass of water? Oh, no, I'll sweat. And, you know, I'm thinking, well, that's what your body does to cool down. But no problem. Wow. I've you know? never heard that one before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like sweating. Don't, you know, you say to children, oh, don't sweat. <laughs> Kids like, you know, running around five years old. Like, okay. I can't help it, Mama. <laughs> 
So yeah, there there are various little bits and bobs, but I think that they become you know more fun than than actual yeah. points of, of friction, if you will. Yeah. No, I mean like looking back, I I've said this a million times, like about like growing up, like if I came out of the shower with my hair wet, oh. I mean my hair was a lot shorter than, yeah. but well at least it was shorter here. <laughs> Had a little bit more up there. That's a different story. Yeah, let's not talk about that. No, 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 no. Give me that. Anyway, my grandfather, if he, if, 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 uh, if I came out of the shower with wet hair, he flipped. Yeah. Not that he was angry, but he was like concerned. <gasps> he was genuinely concerned for my health that I might get sick, that yeah, I might yeah, get yeah. A, 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 a chill. He, and he would say, "Go get the towel." And like he shaked, rattled, and rolled that little head until it was completely dry. It's those little things that we yeah, end up kind yeah, of yeah. having as an having influence. said this again you know if it hadn't been for my wife probably you know me and my two children probably dead by <laughs> you know like for me it was like yeah you know whatever they're fine you know? so whereas maybe it was something that needed care and that's why you know interestingly there's i think between the uk and and um italy there's a totally different ratio between number of inhabitants and number of doctors oh. um a lot lot higher ratio of of you know there's a lot less doctors per number of inhabitants in in the uk you know Interesting. medical practitioners uh, yeah so, no, there's a, i mean well in italy in general there's a lot of very highly educated people so yes. much so that it's actually probably one of the contributing factors to why there's such a uh, I mean okay it's not just this but why there's so many people that are out of work now and they end up going to other countries because oh, yeah, that's cool, like yeah. the, 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 the in, in Italian they say la fuga dei cervelli you know the brain how would I say the brain, brain exodus brain brain yeah yeah it's uh, it, which is a shame because you absolutely. know with, that's one of the problems in Italy I mean again you know you were asking why you would want to remain and at the moment I'm very happy remaining in Italy but I think that if things continue to go the way they go i.e. the Italian establishment, uh, the Italian polit political uh, organization not investing in the future and sort of working year by year, month by month, I think the situation will be worse. So I, I, I can see myself Mm -hmm. retiring and being happy in Italy, but I can't see my children living all of their lives in Italy, for example. I, I can understand that. I mean, it's something that, I mean, not that I, I have thought about children, but it's like, it's an idea that's like, okay, what if that were to happen? Like, what would I want for them? And seeing what's going on here, like I can understand why so many people leave. It's it, there. It's there's so many people that want to come to Italy. Oh, how do I get a job? Oh, can I get a job? Do I need to know Italian to get a job? All these different things. But there's the 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 very first factor which so many people forget. Why are there so many people leaving the country? Yeah, exactly. So many young people. So many highly educated people. And it's not just for a simple reason. Uh, it, it's it's really a combination of reasons, like I was saying before. But to get, to, I guess, a little bit further into it, something that we were also talking before, which you just touched on, uh, you you about staying in Italy. Why is it that you choose to to remain here and keep it your home? Because you do have that dual citizenship. You could you, you're not like most Italians, where the option to go to England, for example, expired at the end of 2020. Uh, you have the option to basically go there as you please, whenever you would like. Is there a reason why you prefer to call Italy your home, at least at this point in your life? Well, mostly laziness. <laughs> I would say. Ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> in the sense that you know we have uh, we have everything we need here: house, job. Uh, right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's not so much. That's the first part. So the first part is not so much Italy itself, but the comfort of having a home, oh, yeah. of having a steady job, having children that are well. Uh, inserted in their local network of friends, of organizations, sports organizations, etc., etc., uh, in a good, also, you know, having them in a good situation, you know, no um, alcohol or drug use in, in their groups of friends, <laughs> etc. Really which fantastic. is, so, I mean, we're in a pretty good place, I would say. And I think that's, that's one of the things that would possibly push anyone to move from one place to anywhere else, yeah. in the sense that you, I think if you feel that desire to move it there's got to be something where you are that's pushing you away of course and at the moment i really don't feel that in italy we, we had a moment a while back where work was not so brilliant so we were seriously thinking of moving to the uk we were looking into it we'd made some plans etc but then so the window of opportunity closed my son started his high school because in italy 
um, you don't go to a general high school and then choose your various courses, but you choose the kind of high school you go right. to. So you have these kids, 14 year old, they're having to choose, you know, their future Medicine, at 14, which science, is not as bad as Japan yeah. where you have to choose the right nursery school to get to the right university. But um, yeah, it's, a, it's a big thing here that people yeah. also don't realize like that you like even to go into hospitality, like you go to and you choose yeah. this, not in university, you start that track at 14 years old yeah when you finish what we call what in the united states they call middle school mm -hmm. so when when you're 14 you have to make that choice you do have some workarounds which are sort of more generic you know technical or liceo which is like a more academic uh high school if you will um but yeah no you have to at 14 you have to sort of have an idea of where you want to go when you're 18 or not 19 because in italy there are five years of, of high school rather right, than four right like in uh, the UK or in the United States, for example. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I would say the lack of a reason to, to go elsewhere. Um, climate, you know, it's lovely and sunny, a bit too muggy because we're in the Po Valley here. Uh, so so you get some of the similar kind of humidity, that we, humidity here. that we get here in Rovigo. Yeah. Um, food, obviously. <laughs> you can't complain food. about that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was saying before, one of the things I always used to, used to miss about the UK is, was the beer. You know, the, you know, I miss going into a proper English pub, having a pint of English ale. Yeah. And here now in the last, I'd say, 15 years, the Italians have started making beer. And when the Italians start to make food or drink, they do a damn good job of it. And better than anybody else. <laughs> exactly. And so you have all this array of amazing beers now, uh, IPAs, red ales, all different kinds of things you have the first kind of chain pubs coming out, mm. which is something more of a, a really? common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, rather than just the local things. Interesting. And so, yeah, and so, you know, I'm not even missing the beer now, so. Interesting. Uh, no, because I, like, that's something about England that I really enjoy is pub culture. Yeah. And just how it's like, I mean, literally public house. Like, it's yeah. a place where people Well, come. you know, the pub is to England what uh, the piazza and the bar is to Italy, basically. Very fair it's, statement. It's two very, in one, yeah, you know? Very fair statement. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I mean, here in Italy, you'll go to the piazza and be at the bar, the cafe, whatever it is. And you'll have kids playing out until like two in the morning sometimes. If it's like a holiday, yeah. normal evening, maybe 10, 11. If it's a Friday, Saturday night, midnight easily. It's it's a completely different way of life. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, especially because of the weather, like you were mentioning, like it's possible. It Well, not only possible, but it's practical because <laughs> apartments it gets so hot and so so little um uh interest in air conditioning yes <laughs> but although it's changed in recent i mean yeah no due of course to the, you know the, the general tragedy which is climate change you know the air conditioning has become a must also in in, in italian culture now so no oh, i mean even when you go despite the death that it represents <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's gonna kill you but it still but it, it feels still, nice you're <laughs> No, you You'll feel good as when you're slowly dying. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, look, it, it, when you go to, say, like, Media World or electronic shops and so on, now you're seeing, like, these growing air conditioning sections. You mm. can get the built-in one yeah, yeah, yeah. or the one, the, the mobile one that you can move around that you just stick the tube out the window. It, it's really surprising. Even on Facebook groups, I, I do see Italians starting to talk about, like, what type of air conditioning. And, like, people are learning and wanting to get a better idea of that. But getting back to this living in Italy from your experience, like, in your, uh, like, growing up, how was that for you? Did you feel like you were the British kid, the, the, the foreign kid, or because your father was from here, did you feel a tie to the country and not necessarily get treated as that other kid? Mm -mm -mm. Well, I think I was always quite lucky because I, I, I sort of instinctively ran with the right crowd. I was never among the cool kids, but I was also never the ones that got bullied or anything. Uh -huh. I had like a few choice friends. And, and I, I, you know, like we were talking about accents before. So within, so for example, when I lived in Virginia, within a couple of months, you know, within a couple of months of, of moving to Virginia, I was kind of talking with a Virginian accent, you know, and, and, and my, my mom was just you know, out of her mind because the terrible accent for her. But, you know, and you so, do it so naturally. I, I, I blended in relatively quickly. Uh -huh. And the, 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 let's say the, the foreign element was more my father. Mm -hmm. uh, but he was very much loved by the, the community. Right. And so he became like the eccentric, friendly uncle of the, you know, because like, he was like our soccer coach, our football coach. Uh -huh. 
And uh, you know, I remember that that uh, one time the the because you know we're talking Virginia early sort of mid '80s. So one word you could never say was hell. It was you know that was absolutely prohibited. You know, huh. so you know, and I remember one time we were playing and he came out and I think he was talking to me. He said, "Michael," you know, Italian style father shouting, yeah. "Michael." what the hell are you doing? And the whole field just froze. You know, every player, every parent, the referee, bug-eyed, looking at my father. Referee throws him off of the pitch. No. He's the coach. And so my dad, what does he do? He goes out to the parking lot, stands on his car and shouts instructions from the parking lot. So, you know, he did these kind, he did these kind of things. And so, the you know, he, he got... He became well known in the community of the parents, etc. So we were kind of, you know, this funny family... Um, so no, I enjoy I enjoyed Virginia very much. Then here in Italy, and that's something that you know, Globe Trotter, and then for your other podcasts, you know, I think it's important to know. There's a lot of, or at least there was until recently, a lot of how can we say xenophilia mm. uh, in mm. the sense Italians love Americans. And, I, I would yeah. argue that it's not yeah. something that's necessarily disappeared. Okay, but, maybe it. I think it depends on what group of people you might fit yeah. into. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I've definitely experienced things where it's like, oh, you're American. Wow, wow. cool, yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. And then, like, you're the toy that kind of gets, like, all right, you, you, you lose your, your charm. Not your charm, but you lose, uh, I can never remember the word, but, like, you're not exciting anymore because, yeah. like, they got that already. Okay. Sorry, I interrupted yeah, yeah. you. American guy, yeah. Well, yeah, like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. he comes here all the time. No, but, I mean, here in Italy, I've always felt that, you know, that, oh, wow, so you're in our cool, you yeah. know, people wanting to know. And and so, yeah, I think it's just like blind luck. <laughs> you know, in Italian, it was like, cool. <laughs> just pure luck, just such a lucky situation. So, you know, like I said before, pros and cons, I've never felt ostracized uh-huh. anywhere. Um, I mean, like in all of my forty years of life, I think I've only ever heard one joke about you know me being different, and it was actually quite funny. So you know, <laughs> I think it was something about you know if you see what is it if you see. Uh, an oil slick in the sea. What is it? An oil slick, or does it have like a bunch of Italians gone swimming or something like that? It was terrible, oh, terrible that's joke. Horrible. Uh, I've heard but, that one yeah, before. Yeah, that's, and and I I don't know. It didn't. I suppose because I never really let it phase me. So mm-hmm. that then whoever said it just really didn't continue with it because it was like, yep, yeah, yeah, so you know, <laughs> <laughs> you can take yeah, some. Yeah, I've got yeah, some here. Yeah, useful. So. <laughs> and so, um, but growing yeah. up though, I'm also curious, like to kind of take it back a little bit. What was the language at home? Because I know there are a lot of parents who are thinking about moving to Italy with their kids. Some of them are in this similar position to you. One parent is Italian, one parent is American or British or whatever, or this or that. Or sometimes it even could be two Italian parents who've been living abroad, like say in Los Angeles or Japan, wherever, and they want to come back. What was the the language situation in your household? Did you speak English? Did you speak Italian? A mix of the two? Yeah. How did that work? Well, the, the the language at home was also always English for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when we were in Italy, the first six years of my life, um, my primary caretaker was my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was mainly English. My father had a job where he traveled a lot. And, and so, no, it's always been English. Indeed, when we returned to Italy and I was 14 and my sister at the time was, was nine, we had quite a bit of difficulty getting back into the system because, you know, you had to, I had to start high school uh-huh. um, without a strong base of Italian. I could speak and understand Italian, but I couldn't write it very well. All the double letters and all that oh, gosh. complicated stuff, the verb tenses, you know. Mm. I mean, when one of the first times I went to school, you know, people were saying to me, oh, you know, when you talk to the professor, Dividare de lei, you have to refer to them in the third person. Like, oh, professor, where, you know, I wouldn't even know how to translate it, you know, in, in English, the thou, the, or something like that. Yeah. And I said, what? Do I, I have to do it? Yeah. And conditionals and conjunctives are a bit confusing. But if we wanted to give a suggestion, let's say, to, uh, to, to people thinking about growing up bilingual children, first of all, there's a lot of literature. So, you know, mm-hmm. read up on what the expert, I think there's one which is called. Growing up with two languages, which which is pretty good uh, in, in that sense. I mean, I think the first thing I would say is you can't really do any permanent damage, whatever you try. I mean, the worst case scenario, the kid is going to talk later than others. So, for example, both mm-hmm. of my children spoke later uh-huh. than, you know, two and a bit rather than maybe one and a bit. But they both started speaking a bit of both languages. Huh. Um, another thing, you know, again, if you want to take it seriously, is ideally you would want to have 
one parent identified with one language. So right. I don't know, the mother speaking Italian and the father speaking English or vice versa or whatever, or, or in, in any other language, Arabic or Russian or, or, or whatever language is, is, is the case. Uh, consistency obviously is key so you know um, ideally you would want to if you're going to speak in English you always speak in English or if I, you know uh, in Italian or in Italian but then again you know if you just want to set up like a play moment where okay you know today's Friday evening let's do an English game or mm. let you know cartoons on Thursday afternoon are all in English uh, um, there's lots of strategies you can apply from a linguistic point of view and I don't think there's a lot that you know you're not going to mess up their brain if you try and experiment with languages because humans adapt and they'll right. be able to especially to, young children especially young children exactly they're so flexible at that age i mean there's there's um a legend that children will learn better than adults which is a legend because you know i can say to you rafael please you know these are learn this page of the grammar for next week and you say okay if i have to and you no. do it you know if you tell a kid learn this page of grammar for next week and say what you know right. so at the same time, they don't have the linguistic barriers that maybe a monolingual child would have. So they will accept that, you know, uh, they will accept sounds that in their native language don't exist, for example. Uh-huh. So when you so when you speak with your kids, I'm I take it that you only speak with only them. English. And only do they English. feel comfortable as Italians speaking English at home? Yeah. You know, going back to where we were before, they have this sort of star status you know they're the english uh-huh. kids so uh-huh. you know they're the cool ones they can speak english and uh, which is very sad from another point of view because you know it, it goes back to the question of elitist immigration yeah. you know and the fact that an american or an, a british person in italy is an expat versus an immigrant where it was yeah. an immigrant you know yeah. why is an albanian or you know maybe you have these people these kids these slavic kids who speak perfect four or five languages perfectly and they're an immigrant and yeah. you know you speak albanian it was a which is you know a fascinating language yeah. really and, and so that's a shame in that sense but you know then my there's kids a difference have, of, of kind of how it's i mean like look it definitely comes from like it, expat is very much a british term that yeah. americans only more recently like i would say even within maybe the past 10 years i've started hearing more americans using it like I, I know when I first left America 12 years ago, that was the first time I ever heard the term expat. Ex, to expatriate as a verb, I had heard that before, but I thought about it more as like a formal thing rather mm-hmm. than like a... Yeah, like a legal procedure. Exactly. Or like... But uh, that was the thing, like uh, with the, 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 the British kind of mentality towards pushing towards it, 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 not pushing towards it, but kind of creating this idea and allowing these expat bubbles to exist where that you can go to the southern coast of Spain and you feel like you're in England or yes, yes. Algarve in, uh, in Portugal yeah. or, uh, yeah, or, Tus- or of Cantyshire which is the other name for Tuscany <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh goodness but I'm curious like because I know there are times when I get treated because I'm American you you kind of alluded to this like not this elitist, but kind of like people want you because they think that maybe you have something because you are this expat. You must be the wealthy American, the wealthy Brit, the wealthy this or that. Did you ever face that when dating as a young guy, like before you got married? Or is that something that even your kids face that because they assume that they're British, that maybe they're a little bit better off than the Italian kids maybe for... No, I don't, I don't think... I think it's genuine curiosity a lot of the time. Not... not uh, uh, also, I mean, we live in Emilia, which is generally a very wealthy area. So most uh, of the people I meet are better uh, off yeah. than I am. So uh, no, not not that. I didn't do a lot of dating before before getting married either. Um, but no, there is a genuine interest, I think, in in the story of somebody who's had a different life experience, who's travelled, who's been abroad, uh, etc. Rather than a feeling of you know what can I gain from right. from this person Interesting. um no I don't, I don't i don't feel i've ever been sort of you know also my children i mean the, the worst thing is people will come to you for help with their english homework you know <laughs> which are quite happy to i mean i remember at school i used to do every english test i used to do it twice because i do like one version for myself and one version just to circulate <laughs> <laughs> please tell me you made some money that way <laughs> no i didn't i'm gonna I, Wasted opportunity. <laughs> no, just tease it. No, but that's interesting because I've had a very different experience where being American um, and like very clearly like American, whereas you definitely can pass more as Italian. You speak the language perfectly. I'm not saying that this has only happened to me here, but I've had that situation where it's like 
passport hunters ah, or, okay. or those kinds of things where it's mm-hmm. like interest in my documents rather than me who I am. I suppose it depends also what age you're, you're, you're dating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, as an adult in reality, I'm, I mean, I, I, I got together with my wife when I was about 24. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, you know, that again, just off the top of my head, I have no idea because <laughs> I wouldn't even remember how to date. But I, I would imagine that some sort of kicks in later in life, uh, I think, when you're sort of finding a... I think it could be possible. I mean, I can say I've had that from very early on, like oh, even okay. like 18, 19. I'm not, oh, okay. I'm not disagreeing because like yeah. the thing is that was your experience. So I'm not, yeah, like, exactly, I'm not disc- you know, discounting which your is experience. N- which is non-existent. So I think you're, you're, you're experience. <laughs> no, and I'm not saying I've got tons of experience either, but like <laughs> I think it is interesting to be able to compare and contrast that we have had very different experiences yeah. living abroad. Well, even what is living abroad? Because like, we're both citizens by birth. Your citizenship is and and tied to Italy is much closer than mine. So it's like you're here at home, but you're also in a sense living abroad because you yeah, also yeah, do yeah. have a mentality that isn't just simply Italian. That there is that British influence on your life. Yeah, I'm more of an are. Italian that's just spent loads of time abroad. Really, yeah. uh, it, it, it's interesting. I, I can see what you're saying, kind of from from your personality, mm-hmm. the way you carry yourself. But I mean, also when you speak English, like very clearly there's a certain sound that comes out there's a certain accent that comes out and when you've like in all of this time have you ever found that where am i going with this (laughs) (laughs) have you ever found that you get lost in thought and (laughs) lose your train of thought yes often happens (laughs) um but have you ever found that uh, beyond accent do you find it difficult to ever separate the languages in your own head and and to be able to communicate like do you have difficulty when communicating with people because something that i've realized as, as as life has gone on more and more abroad for me personally I, I don't know how it is for you but sometimes i find it difficult because i've used more parts of one language in one area than i have other parts of another language like certain fruits and vegetables and things like that are come to me more naturally than they do in English, in another language. I don't know, have you ever experienced anything like well, that? Well, I think you, you sort of alluded to it there, the, the areas, you know, the, the Holy Roman Emperor, um, was it Charles V, I think, you know, said, I don't remember the exact sequence, but, you know, I, I speak to my lovers in French or Italian, I speak to, I give orders in German, and so on mm. and so forth. So different languages for different functions, I think. Um, so there are certain things that I can talk about more comfortably in one language rather than another. Um, my wife sometimes complains that when I tell my children off, I sometimes switch to Italian. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, but it's just so colorful Italian. You've got these you know, yeah. expressions like basta. Basta, you can easily translate. like stop, that's enough. But yeah. it's all rolled into one. It's like you need stop a enough. Paragraph you... to give all of the emotion exactly, behind exactly. it. Exactly. And, and Italian being more emotional. But you know, another question that people often ask me is what language do you dream in? Uh. And, you know, I often say, well, it depends what I'm dreaming about. You know, if I'm dreaming about talking to my wife or or, or going to somewhere in Italy, I'll dream in Italian, vice versa. If I'm dreaming about something English, I'll dream in in English. So, no, I think difficulty separating, not really, aside from, I mean... What I saw is, going back to the question of educating bilingual children, is at the beginning, the difficulty is understanding that there are two different codes for the child. So, like, when my children started speaking, every object around them had one label. So maybe book was book, Mm. but table was tavolo. Uh And then that developed, and eventually they understood that book was book and libro, and tavolo was tavolo and table, okay? But the first phase, there was a single... Co, you know, single label for everything. Mm-hmm. So that's where I saw a bit of confusion in the in the two languages. But I've never felt it uh, myself. Let's say I'm curious. Uh, although that- we have in our family, and my sister is interesting. She actually did um, a, her university dis- mm-hmm. dissertation on this. As a family, when when I lived, you know, in my my original family, let's say, you know, my mother and father and my sister, we had created a separate little. A section of language that worked well for us because yeah. we knew both languages. So, for example, if you say in English, put it put it on the table as the verb to put. Mm-hmm. But in Italian, we have this lovely verb, which is appoggiare, mm-hmm. which is like put it, but lay it, make sure it mm-hmm. stays. It's got a lot more of a connotation. Yeah. So, you know, the verb in English was podge. You know, ah. podge it on the table. Uh, or, the, or, yeah, or there'll be some other concepts that, you know, are a bit more difficult uh, like rogito, 
Uh-huh. Rojito is the signing of a deed that you do when you buy and sell a home. So what would you say in English? That's the signing of a deed when you... Yeah. And in Italian, it's one word. So, right. you know, I was talking to my mother the other day because we have to buy a house. And I said, okay, we've got the Rojito on the uh, X uh, day of September. And yeah. I use the Italian word for that. So there are... Yeah. I do the same thing with my mother. Yeah. Like we, we, we have like these words that we mix together and then like... There have been days where, or even sentences where we switch between five languages. It's like just because there's sometimes in English you can't get the point yeah, across. And, and it shows actually interestingly that shows you something about culture as well. Mm. So one thing which which is a bit critical about the Italian language, for example, is there is no word in Italian for accountability. Really? No. What do you say in Italian? Responsabilità? No, that's responsibility. Accountability. Account- no, contabilità no. means accounting, you know, the, right. the, the counting right. of money. So that, what does that tell you? You have a culture in which the idea in which somebody can be identified <laughs> as being responsible for something doesn't exist. You know? Interesting. And, and that's very deeply rooted in Italian culture, especially in the, sorry, to, I don't want to generalize, but especially in the state uh-huh. employee culture. So to give you another yeah. example, I, I, I did a course, an English course in a school. So the, the person responsible was a state employee. And I wanted to do the last lesson in a pizzeria, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, we're finishing the course. Yeah. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. I said, oh, no. We don't have permission. But what, what, if, what if there's a problem? And I said, look, you know, Rosanna, Rosanna, whatever. Rosanna, let's do this. I wrote down on a piece of paper, I, Michele Corradi, take full responsibility for doing that. Signed it, gave it to her. She says, oh, okay, then you can go. <laughs> no, that's a huge thing here. Like, to, this is the one thing that I get very frustrated with in Italy is that well, there's the over, over, um, over. Uh, passing the buck. Yeah, well, the, well, it's not just that, but like the bureaucracy gets passed into so many aspects of life that yeah. it's ridiculous. Well, you know, we were we were under the Byzantine influence for for a long, long time. So that's Byzantine bureaucracy. And again, you know, I'd like to say this comes from two people who adore and love it. We absolutely. Yeah. That's why we and call so, it home. That's, that's why, why we, we call, call it Italy home. home. Like we're not. But yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That's uh, that, that's an aspect of, of Italian the over bureaucratization of, of certain aspects, which are every I mean, aspect of life. We are living in a country in which twenty. 2021, if you want to, for example, um, cancel your gas or, or electric or whatever, you have to send them either a registered letter or a fax. Yeah. You know, 2021, how do you even send yeah. a fax in 2021? Yeah. And my idea is why? Well, if you think about it, those two forms of communication mean that one single person can't be held accountable for that form of communication. Yeah. Because if I send an, uh, an email to rafael.difuria, blah, 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 you're responsible because I said I sent an email to you. If I send the fax, it arrives in the office and everybody's like, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm not the fax person. So. Right. No, Accountability. Even, it's a word that doesn't exist in Italian. No, but even then, like going on just, I mean, using that as an example, when you're doing that, it's not just the one letter or the one fax. You have to give the permission for the permission and that you agree to give that permission and that along with that permission, you also uh, uh, con- give um, uh, consent to having your information stored because if you don't give consent for your information being stored, then they have no way of getting your information out of this. Like, <laughs> But that has, I must say, that has improved in recent years. Yeah, now Nowadays, at least in Emilia-Romagna, <laughs> we always have to... And that's I don't know, thing. I always feel like it's a big problem, but that's interesting, your take on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, you know, and I think, you know, for, 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 your, for your listeners, Dash viewers, etc., that's something you really have to think about. Is, I want to move to Italy. Where? Where do you want to go to Italy? Because, for example, my, my wife and I adore Puglia. Mm-hmm. We want to retire to Puglia. I love it. Yeah. But if you said tomorrow you're going to go and work and live in Puglia, I'd say, mm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it, because, no, it's difficult. Yeah, because, for example, where we are in Emilia-Romagna, we have this amazing, because going back to why I wouldn't move away, the health service is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's unparalleled. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to do a blood exam. Okay, tomorrow you're, you're in, you're done, you've got the exams online, they send really? you a message, download your your uh, clinical yeah, yeah. file, yeah. you have a look, you send it to the doctor, doctor sends a mean. I mean, no, that's fantastic. I mean, it, like you see that not some other parts in the country, but maybe not to that extent. Like of how, like you need it. I'm there tomorrow. I yeah. mean, like that is that is something else. Yeah, I mean, yeah. okay, fine. Like I've had some actually. I've been very impressed with the Italian healthcare system. There are some times when I've been like, 
not so happy, but that's more because of an individual who I've dealt with rather than the system as a whole. Or maybe like, I don't know how it is where you are, but like maybe in some parts of the country, you might have to wait a few months if you need something to happen. It depends on the kind of of exam or what do you have to do. I mean, even where I am, you know, there there are certain exams which can go, you know, especially if they're not urgent, Uh et cetera, they can look months ahead. So Interesting. And so like, I guess also to kind of give an idea of where you live, what are things like there? What is the average kind of uh, day for a person? What are the people like there? I mean, I know, generally speaking, maybe not to get too political, but it has a history of being a very left-leaning part of the country. It has a very uh, long history. In Emilia-Romagna, in all of Italian Republican history, has never had a regional right-wing government, ever. Really? Never. Wow. Uh, Some municipalities have had... Uh, right-leaning governments, not usually right-wing, but maybe, you know, like they, they in Italy they have these liste civiche, mm-hmm. which are sort of non-aligned political groups sometimes right. that will win elections. So it's definitely a left-leaning area, maybe a bit like Tuscany, for example. The only mm-hmm. other comparable region is, is, is Tuscany. And things are pretty good because it, it's kind of... Um, it's intense. People mm-hmm. work a lot, a lot of hours, but it's not as bad as Lombardy, for example. Right. So recently I worked with a company who merged the Emilia version of the company, merged with the Lombardy, with the Milan version of the company. And the Emilia people are like, these Milanese are crazy. You know, you can't work that much. <laughs> uh, which is something that you go further south, they say about the Emilians, yeah. for example. You yeah. can't work that much. So there's a lot of a very strong work ethic. Yeah. Um a little bit closed, not, not you know, not as open and friendly maybe as down south. Mm. Um, I think that's a general northern. It's a aspect, general yeah. northern aspect. I think uh, the weather is a bit muggy, a bit foggy. Is not not the best, but it, life life's pretty good. Like I said, you know, it's a wealthy area. Uh, in all of those, for example, the two thousand and eight economic crisis through to two thousand and eleven. In our area, there was a lot of job losses, a lot of difficulty. You know, I don't want to downplay it, but you could still see a lot of uh, active social activity, industrial activity going on. So it's 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 a lovely area, but it's not maybe the romantic Italian mm-hmm. postcard scene that you would imagine if you want to buy the house in the Tuscan Hills. Although we do have part of our province. I'm talking specifically now the province of Reggio Emilia, but you can say that for the province of Modena. Piacenza, Bologna, etc. They all have a part of the Apennines, which is really lovely because then you can get property at a bit less. You can have a more tranquil lifestyle. You're still only about an hour's drive from from the city because that's another thing, you know, that, that we can mention culturally between the difference between America and the United States and, and, and Italy is, you know, distances. So for us in Italy, I came here today, an hour and a half, people are like, what? It's, it's traveling across crazy? the world. crazy? <laughs> you know, an hour and a half just for, you know, a recording, record, what are you doing? Right. Whereas in America, be like, yeah, you know. That's going just, across town. Yeah, it's going across town, yeah, or going to the mall, you know. Yeah. We, we, we used to go to the mall and it was 45 minutes in the car. So. Yeah, no, I remember uh, like being a teenager, like there was a brief period where we lived in Boise, Idaho and to get from where we lived, just like kind of on the outskirts of town. It wasn't even the outskirts of town. still like pretty well densely populated to get to downtown. If it was really heavy traffic, easily more than an hour. Like that's just, that's just part of life. But I I guess maybe just kind of getting towards like the, 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 the idea of if somebody wants to come to live in Italy, because you live here, like this has been your place and you are here with kids. Do you like if somebody wanted to maybe move to your region, would you recommend that for a family with absolutely? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because also uh, our area is actually world renowned for young, uh, you know, zero to six year old education. Uh huh. Uh, We have actually oh the Reggio Emilia, exactly uh, the whole Reggio children, which is almost a cult sometimes <laughs> in a sense you either do it their way or you, but at the same time there's a lot of attention and investment to zero to six year old uh, education uh, all kinds of different programs and uh, experiences and you know, so sometimes it's a bit exaggerated because uh-huh. you know like a kid painting is like oh yeah with this he wants to express with this particular stroke his idea that you know it's just a kid painting you know, <laughs> take it easy yeah. sometimes uh, a rock uh, is just uh, a rock some, exactly <laughs> sometimes a kid banging something with a stick is a kid kid banging something with a stick but at the same time no i would very highly recommend it um again you know good health service good school system mm-hmm. transport pretty good although in italy public transport has always suffered a little bit mm-hmm. uh, maybe a, a bigger city like bologna for example would be would be an excellent thing 
expensive. I mean, it's not the kind of place you could live uh, comfortably on on a low salary, or it's, and definitely not on a single low salary, for example. But as a family with a decent salary, absolutely. Maybe a place just outside of the city, you know, in the foothills. Mm-hmm where you can drive into town when you want to or escape from the smog of the the Po Valley. Uh, But no, I would very highly recommend it. Now, I don't know if you've spoken about it in the real estate podcast or the citizenship podcast. The government has made huge investments in this incredible scheme, which is real, you know, and at first when people spoke about it, nobody believed it. The the super bonus, the super restructuring bonus. Basically, if you have a house that you want to have restructured, oh, yes, yes. the government, the state will pay you 110% yeah. to do certain jobs. So you say, I have a house. I want to redo all the windows and doors. I want to redo the plumbing. The government says, as long as you transform that house's energy Efficiency, category yeah. of two levels. So, for example, you have G, they're measured in different. Uh, letters. So if you improve the energy efficiency of the house by two levels, we will pay for you to do that. Uh-huh. And in theory, it comes out of your, uh, you can deduct it on your taxes, right. so basically. But also now, at the same time, to help the banks get a bit more money, as if banks needed more money. But anyway, <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs> you can actually <laughs> sell your credit to the bank who takes on the credit. And so you can say, okay, bank, have my credit that I'm restructuring up to, I think, 97,000 euros. Wow. Uh, So the bank gives you, instead of giving you the whole sum, they give you a little bit less because they take their cut. And you have like 90,000 euros to restructure your house clean. uh, And, you know, you don't have to pay a penny out of your own pocket, which is excellent. So, you know, if you're thinking of coming to Italy, (laughs) you buy the house, you get it restructured, but... So I don't want to uh, sow any false hope. That is one of the areas in which the Byzantine bureaucracy is still very, very much present. So if you want to get this super bonus, you have to have piles and piles of paper with all kinds yeah. of things. And if and if even a comma is out of place, yeah. they'll ask for all the money back plus double. So you have to be really? very, very careful. But if you can get the right professionals, yeah. accountants, builders, mm-hmm. architects, engineers on board it's worked for so many people and hopefully it is taking italy in the right direction in the sense of energy efficiency because Uh we know that it's not so much the cars that cause smog but you know old buildings old schools heating systems etc so wow that's fascinating i mean like this is the old this is always the same thing i'm just i'm gonna quickly say this and then we can go on to the last thing but uh, like Whenever you're trying to pay taxes in Italy, extremely efficient, very on time, very easy, not that much paperwork to do. You just, bam, it's gone. Yeah. But if you're trying to get the tax return, <laughs> if you're trying to get the bonus, <laughs> different story completely. Different story. No, absolutely different story. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, if you, you, it could take a couple of years sometimes to to my my wife got a tax return check uh, the other day from 2019. So. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. Wow. So okay. So then. You love where you live. I do. Would I you do. say this is the number one choice that you would have in Italy, or would there be another choice that you might recommend for a family considering to move to Italy? Maybe Romagna. Uh-huh. Because Romagna, you're still in the same region, uh, so you still have healthcare, blah, 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 but you're closer to the sea, and so the, the climate is a little bit better, a bit less smog, a little bit cleaner. Places like, for example, I absolutely adore Ravenna. Mm. Uh, Ferrara is very nice. Mm-hmm. Cesena, mm-hmm. these kinds of going towards the seaside areas. Uh, if you want sort of the balance of all those things, so efficiency, uh, good climate, good style of life, etc., if instead you say, I want a holiday home, south, mm-hmm. uh, Puglia, yeah, yeah, Sicily, definitely. you know, a place I want to go and stay, Tuscany, also Tuscany. I mean, if you, mm-hmm. either Emilia Romagna or Tuscany, if, if I'm going to live there permanently. Mm-hmm. Holiday homes, uh, down south if you want the seaside, yeah. a- uh, Alps if you want the, or Apennines, you know, the Apennines. Yeah, or even, um, oh, I can't remember, the, the right in the middle of the country. Uh, Umbria. Molise. Oh, Molise. Yeah. Molise. Yeah. Like you can get like the beach and the mountains like all in the same day. Yeah, they're close to the the, the mountains. Yeah. Gran Sasso, for example, it's not quite Molise, but uh, they have the, the mountains there. You can also go skiing in the winter there. Yeah, yeah. No, and th- 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 I was remembering that because I did an interview with uh, another Italian podcaster, Matteo Morelli. He does a podcast 
Praticamente inglese, where mm-hmm. he teaches English. <laughs> and uh, he was telling me about that in this episode. Anyway, um, I guess just the one thing that I would love to do before rounding out this episode is maybe tell us a bit about like your podcast and what you do, because I'd love for people to come and check it out. Yeah, I think thank it's you. Yeah. really cool what yeah. you do. And the well, way that I'm just going to interrupt you here, the sure. way that you are able to paint history and just create this beautiful idea of what happened is absolutely out of this world, I have to say. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, that's, uh, you know, when I'm choosing what to talk about, the first thing I do is, is this boring me? Like, you know, many times I'll be reading a book, and I'll say, oh my God, this is so boring. So that doesn't go into the podcast, you know. Which at times, you know, for example, one of the few criticisms which, which have been um, mentioned to the podcast is sort of a Rex jester. You know, it's just like this guy did this and I don't go into sort of the economics and, and so, just because I think it's boring. So, <laughs> you know. But anyway, it is a chronological... Well, the main podcast is a chronological history of the Italian peninsula from the fall of the Western Roman Empire in 476 to the current day. And at the moment, I'm on episode 118, and we're around the end of the 14th century. So the really, really good part, you know, with the Renaissance and the Machiavellis and the Borgias is just about mm-hmm. around the corner. The Medici are oh, about love, to appear. I love that part of Italian history. Well, you know, generally people, people have this idea of, indeed, if I ever wrote a book, the title would be middle-aged Italy, how actually how stuff actually happened between the fall of the Western Roman Empire and the Renaissance. So stuff <laughs> did happen there. And it's very interesting stuff as well. So anyway, we're, we're around there. And then I also have like uh, this, uh, this um, year, I started up a, a section on fascism, which I think is very important in this period to start to learn some of the lessons we can learn from fascism. And occasionally for certain days and commemorations, I'll put in a special episode like 2nd of June or the 25th of April, etc. But the main thing is a chronological history from the fall of the Western Roman Empire to wherever I get to, so the current days. Well, man, thank you so much. Thank for you very much. Time. It's been a great, great pleasure. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Absolutely. It's been so yeah. fantastic. Those episodes, of course, you have to check out the episodes that we recorded of the Italian Citizenship Podcast. Probably by the time this video comes out, at least one of them has, it will be out. Marco and I spoke just before recording this video. He was like completely blown away, as was I. We had such a good time. So That's really, so thank you so much for coming thank out here. Thank you very much for having and me. And I look forward to having you back on this Absolutely. project as well. Absolutely. I mean, I, yeah. we, we got to figure something out yeah, sometime. Yeah, yeah, maybe up in the Apennines with a good bottle of something. Uh, I I, I see a future. I see the future. (laughs) Anyway, thank you all so much for coming and checking out this episode. And also thank you, a huge, huge thank you to the Patreon supporters who make content like this possible on a monthly basis. And of course, thank you for those of you who are also subscribed and like the video on YouTube. Also make sure that you are subscribed to the audio only podcast where you can also find this available. Anyway, stay safe and healthy out there. I'm Rafael Di Furia, and we have been here with Mike Corradi from A History of Italy, History of Italy podcast. A History of Italy. History of Italy podcast. And I'll see you all next time. Thank you. Later. Thank you.